Hello, Sarah. Hello, Kim. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. We are recording in the morning this time, and I think you will notice that I am 20 to 30% smarter before 1 p.m. Interesting. Interesting. Have you learned that about yourself in working from home and having a little more control over my schedule? I've learned there are parts of the day where my brain works best. Yeah, well, it's definitely, morning is definitely when I get my most concentrated work done. Yes, me too. But I do also like having the afternoon calls because that kind of wakes me up, so. Yeah, I just, as long as I'm not the person that is responsible for presenting any sort of information on those calls, I can learn well in the afternoon, but I'm, I'm on point in the morning. So if you're already impressed, I don't blame you. Well, it's a good thing because we have a lot of things to share. We do. We haven't just met the two of us for a while. We've got a lot going on. I know. We've been really busy this summer. Who would have thunk? It doesn't feel like summer. (laughs) Well, there's that. Except for the heat. Yeah, summer season. We've been busy this summer season. Agreed. Do you want to start by sharing something you've been doing this summer? I would say that the thing that has taken up the most of my time in brain space this summer has been teaching online courses. Through our school, we were offered the opportunity to offer digital online distant programming. And I was really given free reign. Like, what do you think kids need? What do you want to teach? What's going to help you learn more about online learning, which has been really great. And because of who I am was like, I will offer all of the courses. (laughs) So I am offering... Yeah, just really just jump in all the way. So I'm offering three separate courses per session and each session is two weeks. So my online learning experience in the spring was, I I mean, I was learning how it worked and how much synchronous time can I have and what is it that kids want to do. And so I have appreciated this time over the summer to really deepen my practice and learn more about the pedagogy that works online. There are educators that have been teaching online for a long time, and they are making resources available for us to learn how to do it better. And this may not be a popular opinion, but I have really enjoyed it. I love the different ways there are to connect with my students. I love the opportunities for differentiation. I love the way you build a community so differently through Zoom. And there are certainly issues that I need to learn more about, and I've really been trying to learn about accessibility and equity and online learning, and that's an ongoing process. But I do have some resources. I've been writing about my experiences with distance learning as I go. And one outlines the different things that I tried during a graphic novel club, which is something that was difficult to translate online, but ended up being really cool. And then an online book club with middle schoolers. I've tried to write about my process and share the resources that I've used and kind of my wins and my losses on my blog. So I have those links available and we're going to put them on the research page. I am not an expert. I'm learning as I go, but I'm really good at learning as I go and sharing it and sharing the things that go well and that don't go well. So those online classes have been taking up a huge amount of my time and I have been learning so much from them and kind of watching you in your summer spark work too, and taking lessons that you are sharing from that. Cause I know that's taken up a lot of your time. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, you are so generous with sharing things and you're, you do, you just, you share the successes, but you also share the failures. And I think that's just so helpful for anyone who wants to start diving into these things is knowing that there's going to be some good stuff and some bad stuff. And that's just, you know, you just figure it out as you go. 
Yeah, I learned the most when other teachers share, well, I tried this at first and it flopped. And so I tweaked this little thing and that's what worked. And so pretending that it went perfectly the first time doesn't help anybody, but sharing works really well. One more thing that's also on that resource page, I've learned that through online learning, my students are more willing than ever to give very thoughtful feedback. And so I am sure to give my students some sort of survey at the end. If it's younger students, I will ask them for a rose and thorn during our final day. And I'll just take notes on what it is that they say. And with my middle schoolers, I gave them an online learning student survey to ask them what they liked and what they didn't like, what they wish I knew. They have the option to keep it anonymous. So I have also added that distance learning student survey sample. It was for the online book club, and it's one that gave me very meaningful feedback. I thought other teachers might want to see that. Cool. Yeah, that's very helpful. Oh, yeah. So yeah, Summer Spark has been keeping a lot of my attention. It's it, in building up to it. I didn't have a lot to do because it's really being run by students, which is amazing. Well, you didn't have a lot to do in Kim terms. Like, well, yeah, I feel okay. like in normal human being terms, <laughs> you probably had a lot to do. But anyway, continue. Well, they created most of the video tutorials, the challenges. So we did web design this past week, and there's introductory material, intermediate, and then advanced material, depending on you know where Camper thought that they wanted to try things out. And Zach Minster and some of his students created this custom learning management system. It's a, you know, a camper system for us, but it launched on the same day that we started. So there was definitely some bugs and things to work out. But, you know, he and the students had this vision of really making it as much a camp-like experience and not school, you know, not another Zoom call that you have to endure. Because they are very different vibes. Yeah. Yeah. So the way that it was laid out is we have some connection points throughout the day called live streams. And those are really to sort of get the kids motivated, interested, learn what's coming next, but also just to entertain them and to give them something fun to watch and then talk about within their cabin. So then each student is assigned, campers assigned to a cabin and a cabin leader is one of our volunteer high school students. And so they have like six to eight campers that then they meet with in a live experience, you know, so that they can interact and they have a chat and they can share their projects. And it really just, you know, for, for all the hiccups <laughs> that we had for starting a brand new idea, you know, sort of across the board, I think it went really well. The kids, especially those that really dug in, and I think we probably had 40 by the end that stuck with it. You know, wow, that's actually feed- a lot. Yeah, the feedback from them has been really amazing and what they created. So there's a gallery. I'll share that. You can see all the different things that they created. Really, really kind of amazing. But you know, also learning that it does take a certain level of commitment and self-motivation to stick with this kind of program because it isn't saying, you know, I did, I get a couple of parent emails saying, no, exactly. When am my kids supposed to be online? And, you know, exactly, you know, what is the sort of minute by minute schedule? Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, it's, you know, it's not that type of experience. This is a more dip in, dip out when you can do these challenges at your own pace, you know, get connected at these 11 a.m., 2 p.m., 5 p.m. were the live streams when, you know, there was definitely something scheduled. So it is, you know, it's definitely a different way of doing thing and we're experimenting. I think Zach and his team are going to spend this week, it's our week off, and they're going to spend this week like tweaking the system to make it even better. But it, yeah, it's been a real learning experience. 
Wow. And I bet for some learning types and for some families, not having that minute by minute schedule, but being responsible for your own time. I mean, that's a life skill, learning to manage your time and to sequence things and to create a schedule. That's hard. And so I, I, I'm hoping that that has been a learning process and not a crash and burn <laughs> for, right, right. for many of your participants because it, right. it takes practice. Yeah. And I think that that should inform, you know, should things need to go online or more online again, mm-hmm. you know, taking those t- kind of things into consideration because we can't have kids sitting at a computer the whole time. Like we don't want them to be. Yeah. So there has to be ways that they can self-regulate a little bit more than maybe they're used to. And that's learning about synchronous versus asynchronous and how to get kids engaged while not in front of their screens is it's hard. It is challenging, but it's so rewarding. And if you are a teacher who likes puzzles and who likes learning about best practice and, you know, teaching when done correctly is an iterative process. You're never finished. Nothing is ever good enough. And so I've, seen this as just a new challenge and a new way to learn to be better as an educator. And it can be really fun. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. And I think, again, it needs students and parents who are willing to take on more responsibility yeah. on their end. It's a and, lot of parents, for yeah, sure. And, and I saw this, you know, my son went through Montessori and so I saw a version of this, you know, where there's no grades and the student, you know, the students really drove their learning as opposed to now we're all sitting down and doing math. Now we're all sitting down and do this. Like it was their interest that drove what they learned. So I know that is a possibility, but we unfortunately have ingrained in our sort of regular school system that things have to happen in a certain order at a certain time. And Mm -hmm. I feel like, you know, this is an opportunity to break free from that. Maybe that's why you and I are both kind of drawn <laughs> to online learning is because it provides the flexibility and the student-centered work and the break from the rigid schedule and siloing of subjects that we have been talking about for years. And so it feels a little bit like I've been standing over here anyway, and now I'm pulling over other teachers over with me. And it's in truly devastating circumstances, and a lot of teachers don't want to be doing it this way. And there are things that are much more difficult, but it's, it's interesting that there's a part of me that has always wanted to try this kind of flipped out of the box, what is going on teaching, and now everybody has to. Right, right. <laughs> it's, very, it's very interesting. Oh, that brings up something. Uh, one of our guests, we had some professionals from the tech community come on with the kids cool. and share about, you know, how do they get into their profession? What do they do? And even in that profession, one of the people that we interviewed talked about how this was forcing everybody to get up with the latest tech. So yes. even people working in tech, you know, sometimes aren't up with the latest tech. <laughs> so I think it's, you know, we know that's been forcing a lot of educators and students and parents to get the latest tech, but it's sort of across the board. Yeah. And it is unfortunate that it had to happen at the drop of a dime. And I think there are a lot of teachers that have been working on their technology skills and any massive change that happens under very stressful circumstances and without the opportunity for proper buy-in and training is challenging. But I am seeing a lot of teachers embrace the fun and engaging side of educational technology that maybe they struggled with before because they miss their students and they want their students to be excited. And they have learned that sitting on Zoom every day is not going to get their kids excited the way they love to do in the classroom. 
And so it's been really incredible to watch the way teachers have opened their minds and tried new things that they maybe wouldn't have been comfortable before because they love the craft of teaching and engaging learners so much. And parents, if you're listening, we see you, we respect you. (laughs) Thank you for all that you are doing to support education in schools. We know teaching is hard. It's, I mean, it's really hard. That's why we have advanced degrees and work lifetimes trying to, to master this pedagogy. And you weren't given a choice and you're not getting paid. And so thank you for all that you're doing to support the students that we all love. For sure. So there's a resource that is coming up. It's actually available now. It's from VISTI, the Virginia Society of Technology Educators. They have this landing page, virtual playground. Yeah, that's it. Ooh, it's so so cute. Yeah, so there's people that are sharing resources that they use during the distance learning time to share with others. And then they're having an online conference, a free online conference, July 21st and 22nd, that you can dip into and learn from other educators about this sort of topic. So I'm I'm gonna be speaking on the uh, robot zine. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. That'd be a great resource for educators out there. And then another great resource is the other thing I've been working on, which is CS Institute. Oh, yeah. And Speaking of online conferences and yes. amazing educational experiences. Yeah, so we had to take CS Institute online and we decided to run it in parallel with Summer Spark, crazily enough. We've been really working a lot with Jenny Chu at UVA Curry School and Luther Takanovich at UVA Computer Science Department. And you may and, remember Jenny from our first episode oh, talking right. about, yeah, what was she talking about? Uh, design thinking. She's okay. wonderful. Yeah. She's so smart. Yes. So those folks involved, computers for kids have been involved, Charlottesville City Schools. So a lot of a lot of different folks have been involved with planning this. Zach Minster, of course, you're you've offered an option there. Again, it's kind of do at your own pace and you have to, you know, kind of keep yourself accountable, but we've got different topics every week and the, the resources will live on. So even if you missed, you know, whatever week, whenever this gets put out you can still go back and catch up on uh, the resources. But the idea is to demystify computer science, build a computer science community of practice, and to help make computer science accessible to all students and educators. So there is a wealth of resources that are being shared by lots of folks uh, through the CS Institute. So we'll be sharing that as well. I love the CS Institute. I look forward to it every year. I'm always so floored by the fact that Kim, you and and your many teammates I know, but I know you're at the helm, have not only created this incredible resource for teachers, but made it so approachable. And the fact that it's free, even when it's in person, it's free. It's incredible that people can, it's, it's not cost prohibitive because a lot of the time teachers have to pay to attend and travel to their own conferences. And so to have something like this for free I feel like is really groundbreaking and I love participating in it. I always meet the coolest teachers and learn about the neatest projects. And I am excited to look through the resources for CS Institute. I was really excited. You could hear in my voice, my session is a screencast and you can hear in my voice that I'm so excited to be, <laughs> to be presenting. And it just, I just love the CS Institute. I can't wait to look through it. So educators, if you're thinking about it, click on that link because it's well worth your time. Yeah, and this year we have about 40 in the CS Institute and another 15 through Charlottesville City Schools that are participating. But the CS Institute has folks from California, New Jersey, like all the over the place. The great thing about it being online, <laughs> yes, yeah, it's yeah. everywhere. 
And the only reason I haven't checked out the CS Institute yet is because along with teaching online courses, I have been taking a lot of online courses. Our school wants to be prepared for whatever comes our way next year. And so teachers are engaging in a lot of online work around creating the best possible online classroom in case that's the direction we need to go, about creating lesson plans that can be hybrid, about keeping kids safe in the classroom. So there's been a huge amount of professional development work this summer, which is good and bad. It's good because I'm learning and some of the resources have been wonderful. It's bad because my summer is possibly busier than my school year was, and it is going right up until the day that we come back. And so there is no break, which is hard because I do feel a little bit burnt out, but that's future Sarah's problem. And so the, the online courses that I've been taking have been mostly through Global Online Academy. And I have been looking at One Schoolhouse's resources as well. And I like both of them. My favorite things from Global Online Academy, even more than their courses, I really enjoy their resources. I find them super educational. And I'm linking one on the resource page called Online Learning Norms. And this links to another resource that I'm sharing called Nine Ways Online Teaching Should Be Different from Face-to-Face. One of the things that I've learned that has been the most impactful for me and that is rarely just said outright is that you find the most success in online teaching when you approach it knowing it cannot, will not, and should not be the same as face-to-face teaching. So if you go into it saying, how am I going to get through the same amount of content? How am I going to have the same kind of connection? How am I going to create the same kind of classroom culture? It's never going to work. It's just not a goal that's reachable. They're too different. But if you go into it saying, this is going to be different, here are my new norms, here are my new expectations, here is my new curriculum, you can set yourself up for a really successful and fun experience. It's a huge amount of work to recreate those things when you have been crafting the other ones for so many years. But that link from the Cult of Pedagogy with nine ways online teaching should be different from face-to-face, when I read that, I thought, oh, That's the secret is entering it with a different set of expectations. It's just never going to be the same. Knowing that, embracing that makes a huge difference and makes other things like the resource of online learning norms from Global Online Academy much easier to accept and to get on board with. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, for sure. And there are teachers who have been teaching online for years who are like, yeah, we know. (laughs) But of us, we're, we're still getting there. So taking online courses and preparing for next year is taking up a lot of time as well, but I'm, I'm learning a lot from it. Good. Yeah. I'm looking at, sorry, I was looking at this <laughs> list of nine things and it's um, really great. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I like cult of pedagogy because you can listen to them or you can read them, which I, I really dig. Cause sometimes I'm in the mood to read through and make it a little quicker. And some days I want to have somebody spoon feed it to me. <laughs> love that she makes that an option. But just starting at number one, community building and communication, it's just inherently different when you're on a computer. And that's okay. It doesn't mean that it's not going to be as good. It just means it's going to be different. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, this is where I got all the resources, most of the resources to figure out how to get this podcast going. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Because she's very generous in sharing, you know, how she set up her podcast. And I love that there's an entire section on instructional design because I'm a total instructional design nerd. So I saw that and I was like, ooh, I love that. (laughs) Anything else that's been going on this summer that you want to share, Kim? Well, I'm about to attend a virtual conference of the Computer Science Teacher Association. 
I'm uh, bummed it's virtual because I've missed this conference for years because of Summer Spark and Tech Camp. So this year we're like, okay, we're setting it aside so we can go to the conference. And it was going to be right right here in DC. (laughs) And then it went online. So that's what I'll be doing the next couple of days. I'm preparing to lead a camp. Yeah, this is separate from my summer courses. I'm working with a local business called Steam Discovery Academy, who if you were at our Girls Geek Day event, then you may have met Liesl, who's brilliant and wonderful. And I I love, she is so interested in making things fun and interactive and has, I just love the way her brain works. Her ideas are so cool. And so Liesl and I stayed connected after Girls Geek Day, and I'll be working with her to test out a curriculum for Doodlematic. And I'm going to be teaching all virtually, all online. They have a very cool camp set up where we meet and connect and I give the challenge and then kids work offline for a couple of hours and then come back and share their successes and their failures and their reflections. And we're going to be playing all around with Doodlematic. So I have a Doodlematic sitting at my desk right now and I'm going to like reward myself when I finish my online classes for the week by getting to play with the Doodlematic. <laughs> I'm really, really excited. It's the first, I've never done a virtual camp before and Doodlematic is a new tool to me. So I'm really excited to jump into that in the last week of July. Yeah, that's really fun. I think, you know, that they have really figured out how to get tools like the Doodlematic to the students. Yeah, and then make sure that they can get hands-on with stuff while staying safe at home, which I think is a really cool way to do things. Yeah, and they're they're working to offer in-person camps as well and working to do it as safely as possible. Like I said, Liesl and her husband are brilliant, and so they, I have no doubt that they will figure it out. We'll link Steam Discovery Academy's page on our resource page as well if you want to join me for Doodlematic Camp or if you want to look at some of their other resources because they are local to Charlottesville, and they're, they're very cool. Great. Personally, I have been participating in a lot of discussions around inclusion and anti-racist work and reading books and engaging with people in my life to look critically at my privilege and learn how I can take this work into my classroom. And I have really, really enjoyed that. The work isn't necessarily new to me, but it seems like there are so many more people getting involved now and every new voice that's added to the conversation deepens it and takes it to another level. And so that has been a theme for the summer in my non-teaching time. And I've been really appreciative of that. It's helping me learn and grow for sure. Yeah, we've, I've also been involved with that through Charlottesville Women in Tech because, you know, it's something we've, again, always wanted to work on. Yeah. But, you know, always went to the back burner and we, you know, this summer it's like, nope, no more. <laughs> I love that. The back burner has been tossed. The conversations that we're having now feel urgent and feel important and it's no longer okay. And then we'll have a diversity day next month. It is how do we embed this into everything that we're doing? If you're wanting to take these steps, I mean, now, now is the time. Yeah, for sure. There's a opening that we all need to take advantage of. Yeah, especially if you're an educator and you're wondering about the best ways to navigate online learning and hybrid learning, it's very clear from the data that the COVID-19 pandemic is disproportionately impacting our most vulnerable communities and our most marginalized students. And so if you are waiting for something to feel personal to you before you get involved, if you're an educator, there is no greater call to action than what our students are living through right now, I think. I agree. Whew, that was a lot. I know, right? (laughs) 
And, you know, we're also doing our best to eat and sleep and exercise and <laughs> talk to human beings when we can or right. pet our cats, you know, right. all those things. Right. <laughs> Listeners, are you doing anything cool this summer? Is anybody like taking vacation? Are you taking your summer off? Are you, I, I would love to hear what other people are doing partially so I can live vicariously through you and partially so I can hear that other people are like, no, I'm just working straight through as well. Yes. And we'd also love to have folks online and sh- share with us in person. Yes. Well, share your person. work with us, please. Well, in, per- <laughs> in person-ish. Yeah. Person-ish. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for joining us as we talk about our summer. I'm sure we will be updating you more and more because shockingly, it is somehow only July 13th. So there is more summer left to go. That's right. Oh my gosh. Uh, until next time. Tech, love, and happiness.